Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. We want to welcome any guests that we may have with us. We welcome you. We are glad that you are here. We have two sets of flowers that we want to take notice of this morning. First of all is that the flowers that are placed in our sanctuary here this morning are placed in honor of Terry Hamrick, who has a birthday coming up on August 7th. These flowers are given by her Sunday school class, the Willing Workers, and so we wanted to take notice of that and wish Terry a very happy birthday here in the next week. Also, there is a second set of flowers that is in our lobby back here. These flowers are placed in, uh, they are given in memory uh, by Dr. Mary Washburn Bull, and they are given in memory of Emily Washburn, who passed away uh, in, yesterday. And so we wanted to take notice of both of these flowers that are in our sanctuary this morning. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. My prayer this morning is that each of us would open our hearts as we prepare to worship our Lord. Please join me in the congregational call to worship. If you are able, please stand.
morning. I am reading Chronicles 16, verse 31 and 34. Let the heavens re- rejoice, let the earth be glad. Give, thank to, give thanks to the Lord, for he is God. His love endures forever. Our hymn of praise this morning is hymn number 173, Christ is Alive, 173. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing. the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Good morning. How are you all today? How many of you know what this is? What is this, Grady? No, excuse me. Be more specific. What is this? A sign. It's a sign. Where might you see this sign? On the highway. Sign on the highway. Well, how many of you know what this is? We don't use them very often. Brochures. A what? A brochure. A brochure. Well, sort of. This is what we used to use when we went on a trip. It's called a road map. I know, we don't use it very often. How about one of these? A GPS. 
a GPS. And what does a GPS do? Shows you how to get somewhere without a map. That's exactly right. What does the GPS say when you go the wrong way? Turn around. Or it will reroute you. Or it reroutes you. Do you always listen when it says reroute you? No. No. I don't either. And that's when I get in trouble. I have been known to ride around a block several times before I listen. But now sometimes we don't even have this. We have this, don't we? But we still have the voice that says, you're going in the wrong direction. In 20 feet, make a left. Go the other way. So we go in the wrong direction. We have a GPS to tell us. In the scripture today that Pastor Keith's gonna use, he's gonna talk about somebody else going in the wrong direction and needing to make a U-turn. But what do we have that tells us to go in the right direction? GPS. But how do we, does a GPS tell us what to do every day? No. Who does? God. And what do we have as our GPS? The Bible. And the Bible tells us what God wants us to do. And when we do something wrong, do we hear God's voice say what? Do what? I forgive you. That's exactly right. God says, I forgive you. God also may tell you to do something like tell that person I'm sorry or tell that person you really do love him and you didn't mean to do that. So there's in our life with the Bible and God in our heart and listening, we hear what direction we are supposed to be going in. I know it's awfully hard, but that's what God wants us to do. We have a hard time listening sometimes, but when we pray to God and we ask for God's direction, then we need to listen. And God's gonna tell us to make a U-turn or a right turn or a left turn, but he's gonna tell us which way we need to go in order to follow him and to believe he will take care of us every day. So let's pray. Dear Lord, as we enter into this new week, I ask that you give these children direction. Help them, Lord, each day to learn better how to listen and how to follow your direction in their heart and go in the right direction. They're young, their faith is beginning, their walk has begun. Be with them, Lord, as they take these baby steps to learn and to listen. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Ellen. I'm excited. Uh, this year, in 2017, a committee has been meeting that uh, has only met uh, on occasion the previous two years, and that is the Evangelism Committee. And uh, the work that uh, you have seen them already, seen from them already this year, was the renewal services and also a church-wide, well, actually a community mailing that went out to talk about our special Easter services this last spring. But they have continued to meet, and I am very excited. Vicki Whitfield is going to be coming up in just a moment sharing some plans that I am very excited about. Uh, what uh, she will be sharing will have the potential to change 
uh, many things here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church in a very positive way. Um, they have a very, she has a very detailed plan of, uh, or the, the evangelism committee does, about ways that we can engage and reach out to our neighbors. Some of you have placed a pin based on the location of your home on a map that is located in the office hallway. If you have not done that, we would encourage you to do that. But this map was placed up uh, a few months ago, back during these spring services. And uh, we, we put the map up and we wanted people to identify where they live, not knowing exactly everything we were gonna do with that information. And so as the summer months have went, uh, or continued to go by the summer weeks, uh, the evangelism committee has been meeting and praying and they have a great plan that she will be sharing uh, this morning with you. Uh, if you are interested in talking with Vicki more about what she will be sharing, please do so after the service this morning. I also thought it's very appropriate timing, Vicki, that we have been in a sermon series called Empowered, uh, where we're talking about ordinary men and women filled with the Holy Spirit that do incredible things for the good news, for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to spread and to share that message. And so uh, I am excited about the things that Vicki will be sharing. So Vicki, you come and share briefly what the Evangelism Committee has been working on. Thank you, Keith. Uh, we are excited about our situation, what we've been evolving into over the last few months of meeting. First, I'd like to tell you who the committee members are. Shirley Bridges, who takes our minutes and does a great job. Lori Lancaster, Mitzi Johnson, Bonnie Dowdy, Bob Lamb, and myself. And we must thank Betsy Beeson also, because if we didn't know where someone lived, we'd have to ask Betsy where this road was or whatever. She was a very big asset to our work. Okay, some of you may know that in years past, uh, you could go to the town hall and find out information about new residents in the community. Well, due to privacy laws, you can't do that anymore. So we've been kind of at a loss. How do we figure out who's new and who's not and who's in need of a church and who's not attending and so forth? So uh, we just kept talking and we were looking at the pins on the map. Now the pins told us where, you know, there were groups of our membership. We had no idea who the pins were. So uh, what we did was we took the entire membership of Bowling Springs Baptist Church and we divided a map into zones. I think the map can be displayed up here. I hope. Well, it's not up there. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So those are the... Oh, there it is. Okay, so we have color-coded the zones of Bowling Springs Baptist. Now, there are some zones that are not on the map, like out-of-town people, uh, which we're calling out-of-city limits, uh, non-residents, people who are on our membership role that live in other states or areas, and then we have our homebound. So there's nine major zones. Now, we took several hours, you know, color-coding the entire membership, 600-and-something people on this uh, on the membership list. Uh, but the pins were the motivation. We didn't know what to do with the pins until we got the, the names and addresses. So the plan is still completely in the infancy. But what we need to process for this to go farther is for people to volunteer. Uh, basically, the uh, evangelism committee is going to serve as captains of certain zones, but there are zones that we need a, a captain for because there's only six people on the committee and there's nine zones. And uh, so you may be asked to be a captain or a sub-captain. And what we would like to do is try to get the entire membership body active in our 
communities. You know, communities have changed. We used to have ice cream in our neighborhoods with our neighbors or watermelon and stuff, and people don't do that anymore. But we're hoping through the efforts of this emphasis that there will be some community gatherings and so forth and so on. Uh, so uh, we used the stoplight as the center. So if you look between four, eight, five, six, and the numbers in the zones, they, they're not, they don't mean anything particular. It's just a way to organize. But the stoplight's the thing in the very center. So if you'd like to figure out where that you are, you can kind of figure from the map, or you can see me afterwards, and we've got the entire membership color-coded in print also. Roger did the uh, coloring of the map for us, and he's not here, he's on vacation, very well deserved, but we want to thank him for that. Okay, we also think that uh, what we want you to do is to look for for sale signs, for vacancy on uh, apartment buildings or, or some of those things, for rent and, and stuff, and just be active in trying to find out who and what and, and what's happening with those locations and those residents because uh, that's what we're here for. You know, the membership of every church in, in the world is to reach out for Jesus Christ and to uh, witness and, and bring into the brotherhood, into the fellowship of, of a church. So we want you to be praying about this. You know, new families, new individuals, they need to be housed in a church with Jesus in their heart and be saved. And if the evangelism committee can't help do that, then we have no purpose. Uh, Bob Lamb and Bonnie Dowdy being past missionaries have been such a great help in this emphasis, and we rely on them. Of course, Bob's recouping from back injuries and surgeries, and Bonnie's away preaching today. So you can talk with any of the committee members uh, or give us a call. Say, I want to be a captain of my zone. I want to be a sub-captain because we want you to, on a weekly basis, watch your community and uh, and call your captain and say, hey, well, nothing's happening, but so-and-so's having a birthday. We're going to take some cookies. Or We want this also to be a ministry of membership to membership and bring back communities to our neighborhoods that communicate and work together. So if you just would pray about your involvement in this, in the Great Commission, Christ says we're to reach the world for him and we need to do that, all of us. So let's get busy and help us with this new emphasis. Thank you. Thank you, Vicki. Let me make you aware before I pray this morning of several needs, current health needs within our congregation. Virginia Harris is in Charlotte and we wanna to continue to remember her in our prayers. Connie Green will be staying another night tonight in Charlotte after a procedure this week. Uh, Nancy Terry fell and uh, broke part of her, well, her upper part of the leg and is in surgery right now here in Shelby, and we want to be mindful of her at this time. And Bob Lamb continues to recover from back surgery at home and uh, continues to, to have some pain related to that even still, and so let's please be mindful of him. And also, uh, our hearts go out to the family of Emily Washburn. Uh, sons Paul and David are here today, but uh, this is a, a great loss for our church and for our community, and a service for Emily will be held Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. And so our sympathies and prayers continue to go out uh, to the Washburn family this time, and um, we are um, uh, at a great loss uh, with, him, Miss, with Miss Emily. I look forward, and I've not only had, the had those times to share with Miss Emily, but uh, I enjoy hearing from you uh, those stories uh, that Miss Emily uh, would share uh, on, 
on most occasions that she would gather with a group of people. So let's, let's be mindful of these needs, and I'm sure we have others today that are on your heart and mind as well. And so let me allow uh, you to have a moment of, of quiet prayer, and then I will lead us in our corporate prayer this morning. Let's pray together. God, we come from many different places to gather in this sanctuary this morning. We have children gathered here and youth and young adults and all ages in between. Uh, or uh, as we, if we think about the older adults present in the room. And Lord, we come together with one purpose and that's to worship, to fix our attention upon you this day. Father, we're mindful of those who uh, cannot be with us this morning due to physical illness. We do pray for your healing touch on them. We do pray that they would be encouraged today. They would know that they are loved both by this church family and by you. And Lord, we pray for your touch on Virginia Harris and Connie Green and Nancy Terry and Bob Lamb. Father, we pray that you would comfort those who grieve in the Washburn family and within this church and within this community. We pray for many from the Washburn family that will be traveling or traveling now today and in the coming days. We pray for traveling mercies for them. Father, we truly pray that this Wednesday evening would be a wonderful celebration of a life, of a life well lived. God, it's our desire today to worship you in spirit and truth. It's our desire today to uh, be challenged. Lord, if there are those here that um, need some direction today, Father, with decisions that need to be made in the coming days, I pray that as we sing and that as we read, as we pray, as your spirit speaks to hearts, that you would lead them and guide them in the decisions that you would have for them to make. If there are some in this place today, Lord, as Ellen has already introduced this theme of, of a U-turn, Lord, we're grateful for Paul and his witness and his life um, uh, we would not be where we are today were it not for the life of the Apostle Paul. And Lord, we pray today if there are those in this place that have maybe went off on a detour, Father, that need to make a U-turn and get back on the course that you would have for them, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and lead them to walk in that close relationship with you. Father, bless each one here today. Meet us at the point of our need. Father, bless our country. Bless those who serve your kingdom throughout our world. Father, our missionaries, keep them safe, and we pray that you would provide for their needs as well. Lord, we're grateful for what you're doing, and Father, we give you permission at this time to have your will and your way in our hearts and our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Some of you may have noticed that this month we've sung Grace Alone almost every Sunday. Um, I kind of chose it as our, as you well remember, last Sunday we voted to establish a new hymnal fund, and this is one of the hymns found in the new hymnal that we'll be purchasing. So I invite you to stand and join me in singing Grace Alone. The words will be found on the screen as well as in your order of service. Please stand.
you join me in prayer? Oh God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this morning, to be able to come here for worship, to be able to worship your glorious name, and to be able to learn more about you, to prepare ourselves as we go forth into yet another week. I pray that you'd be with every individual that cannot be here today that longs to be here. All the health concerns that we've heard about this morning, I pray you'd be with each individual that's affected and with each family of them. God, as we, this church, enter a new season, which we begin these new evangelism outreaches, I pray that you would just be with us as we begin this new journey that you've begun setting the groundwork for. I pray that you would raise up leaders in this church for that and that you would make a great work in it. I pray you'd be with the offering as it's taken up and you'd be with Pastor Keith as he prepares to bring the word here surely for our lives. Pray there be nourishment to our souls and that we may leave here and we may glorify and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Our scripture for the morning is taken from Acts 9, verses 1 through 19. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he journeyed, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from the heaven flashed about him. And he fell to the ground and had the voice, heard the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And, but rise and enter the city, and it will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the force, but hearing no one, seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and when he eyes, his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for the man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a man named Ananias has come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon his name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and took food and was strengthened. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
Malcolm and Samantha. And also I want to thank Pam Dennis for assisting us this morning with organ. Pam, welcome. Glad you were with us today. If you have your Bibles, keep them open there to Acts chapter 9. But uh, for those of you who may be new or are a guest with us this morning, but uh, for those of you who've missed a few Sundays, we are remaining in Acts. We have enjoyed, I've certainly enjoyed it. I know at least a few of you have. I hope all of you have, but I I can't speak for all of you. But uh, this summer we have been in a sermon series called Empowered. And um, we've looked at the fact that God takes ordinary men and women, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and empowers them to do incredible things. We've seen this in the life of Peter, and today we're going to see this in the life of Paul. A more accurate title for the book could be Acts of the Holy Spirit. Luke shows us the role that the Spirit played in the lives of ordinary individuals and the way the Holy Spirit guided and strengthened the church. In Acts chapters 1 through 7, all of the events that we read about, the miracles and the stories, have all taken place in Jerusalem. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and how in Acts chapter 8, we began to see Acts 1-8 beginning to be fulfilled. If you remember, Acts 1-8 says, you will be my witnesses. Um, uh, you, excuse me, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And so we see this uh, as Philip is headed south on the road to Gaza. Uh, uh, the eunuch is traveling and Philip is called in a vision to go and to meet up with this eunuch and begins to share with him what he is reading from Isaiah, begins to preach Jesus to, the, to him. And we continue to see the gospel not only spread through Samaria, but even down into the continent of Africa. Acts 9 that we're at this morning, Sherman, thank you for reading this, leads us to the conversion of a young leading Pharisee named Saul. We were introduced to Saul back in chapter 8 as he was, as the coats for the stoning of Stephen was laid at a young man named Saul. You may remember that from your study and your knowledge of Acts. Today we look at the conversion, the calling of the greatest leader in the history of the church. You and I may not be where we are today, and at least in many in respects, were it not for the Apostle Paul. In our New Testament, we contribute, uh, it's 13 letters are attributed to Paul. We know that uh, there's some argument about the authorship of certain letters, but roughly 13 of the letters and the books that we have in our New Testament were written by Paul. Today's sermon is entitled, An Amazing U-Turn. A U-Turn in driving refers to performing a 180 degree rotation to reverse the direction of travel. Some of you here know all too well about the U-turns. If you travel on 74, unfortunately, there are times when you have to make a U-turn to get back to the place, you have to pass the place you wanna go, turn around and come back to it in some instances on Highway 74. I have to be honest with you, some days when I leave the church or even leave whether it's my home or wherever it may be here in Bowling Springs, and some of you may be like me, I think I heard Ellen hint, hint at this, although I can't put words in her mouth, but how many times do you have something on your mind and you leave where you're at and because you're, you need to go to the grocery store, that's, that's a common thing for me, Renee says, as you come home, go by the grocery store and get such and such. Well, I've got something on my mind. Maybe one of you called me or something and I'm thinking about something, processing the conversation. I drive right by the, I almost get home. I have to turn around, make that U-turn and go back to the grocery store. And then if it's something that's really consuming me, I'll pass the grocery store again and I'll have to make another U-turn. And finally I get back to where I need to go. But I, so I see some of you smiling. I, I, hope, I hope I'm not the only one here. I hope some of you can, can relate with me. Maybe you can share about that uh, after the service. But I'm grateful when it comes to God, a spiritual U-turns, spiritual U-turns are always allowed. 
I've grown up hearing the term, and many of you have as well, a Damascus Road experience. Some of you have heard that. Some of you may have had what you would call a Damascus Road experience. You were living your life, uh, you were on your, the throne of your life, and you were going one way, and then all of a sudden, uh, maybe through the prayers of uh, family members or, or just God's uh, grace, he reached down to you and grabbed you, and you began to turn in a different direction from where you were walking. Some of your careers and, and occupations and just the way maybe that you relate with the church and other people have been dramatically changed because at one point you were going one way and God did something amazing in your life and you began to walk in another direction. Some of you, it may not have been the Damascus Road experience. I know with me, I, I've heard other friends and I would fall in the category at times, I can't remember not being a Christian. I can't remember not you know, but there was a time when I was nine years old when I put my faith and trust in Christ and followed through with believers' baptism. I want you to think with me about a time when God worked in a dramatic way, either in your life or in the life of someone you knew. I want you to think back about that, e either again, maybe in your life or in the life of someone that you were close to, and what occurred when God was doing his work. You most likely didn't see a light like the Apostle Paul, although you may, nor were you blinded, but something big, something significant happened. It may have happened suddenly or it may have happened over a season of your life. I know when I was at Gardner-Webb, I didn't go into Gardner-Webb as a freshman saying that I was called into ministry. It was through a process of my sophomore year, of opportunities that I had to lead, of some of my own study, of some of my own prayer time, where I began to sense a calling from God. And at that time, it was certainly not toward the pastorate. I've shared with many of you, I, didn't, I never felt that calling for the first almost 10 years of my ministry. I thought youth ministry, education, missions, I wanna be the pastor's assistant. I wanna be the one to come in and help in any other way, but I did not feel a calling to the pulpit. And so uh, God began to work in my heart, began to call me into, at the time it was youth ministry for 10 years. But I witnessed several people have experiences, not so much like Paul, but when I was uh, at Gardner-Webb for the four years in undergrad, living on campus, and I began to see in some of my friends' lives and, and some other people that were there on campus that I didn't know too well, God beginning to work and do something amazing in their lives. I hope that you can look to a time in your own life when you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that uh, you have had some friends along the way that, that uh, have had that Damascus Road experience, like we said, when they were walking, living one way, and then all of a sudden God just got their attention and did something amazing in their life and turned them around and they began to walk in a new direction and in a new way. The account of, the, of Paul's radical conversion to Christ is found in several places in the New Testament. It's not only here in Acts 9. This is Luke, Luke's account of Paul's conversion, which is very close uh, to Paul's own words of his conversion. And I would encourage you to read those later today. You can look in Acts 22, verses 3 through 13, and you can look in Acts 26, 12 through 18, about, and other references in Paul's letters, and, and here in his own words about this time. Uh, that agrees, again, with Luke's words here in Acts 9. So what do we know about Saul? Let's, let's go back just briefly. He was from the city of Tarsus, which was a major city near the Mediterranean Sea, bustling city. Acts 21, 39, Paul noted the status of his birthplace by saying, I am a Jew of Tarsus in, Cilic in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city. 
Tarsus would have probably topped the list of best places to live in the ancient world. History tells us it was sophisticated and it was cosmopolitan. This was the birthplace of Saul of Tarsus, later to be known as Paul. As a youth, Saul grew up receiving a first-class education in Jewish law. Mastering the Hebrew scriptures, he studied at the feet of one of the most learned men of that day, and that man was Gamaliel. I find it interesting that two of the greatest leaders in all of scripture had a first-rate education. I say that in a church that's across from a university. I say that, Eddie, I am, pray for me, I'm beginning my doctorate of ministry this week. I have a three-day seminar that begins tomorrow morning and will be in class from nine to five each day this week. So please pray for me. But I think it's interesting that two of the greatest leaders in all of the scripture, one in the Old Testament by the name of Moses, had a first-rate education, not only in the classroom, but also in, in the fields as well. We see this with Moses. We also see here in the New Testament that the greatest leader other than Christ here in the New Testament was the Apostle Paul, and he also had that first-rate education. In Acts 7 and 8, we are introduced to Saul who witnessed Stephen's stoning. And scripture tells us that men laid their coats, again, at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was carrying out attacks and putting many believers in jail when we are first introduced to him. In fact, in today's scripture, at the beginning of the passage that Sherman read, Acts 9, 1 and 2, it says, Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, is what the church was called before they were called Christians, both, um, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I can't think of any greater opposition to the Christian faith and any greater example of what a spiritual U-turn would look like than the life of Paul. We see him going in one direction, not only just, uh, he's not just barely going against the Christian faith or going against this Christ and, and the resurrection, but he is not only opposed, he's opposing it to the point that he is arresting people. He's getting permission from the high authorities to arrest believers in Jesus Christ and bring them to prison. As we reflect on the stormy beginning of Paul, there are three things that I want us to think about this morning. Three reflections that help us put things in perspective regarding Paul's conversion. The first one is that no matter how we appear to others, everyone has a dark side. No matter how we appear to others, everyone has a dark side. That includes you and me. There's something about human nature at its core that turns away from God. It says in Acts 8.3 indicates Paul, again, was ravaging. He was causing havoc on the church. The Greek denotes, again, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, that it was this sense of brutal cruelty, almost like a wild animal would tear into something. I'm grateful that God continues to take men and women who are imperfect, who have a dark past, and continues to use them in tremendous ways for his glory. Again, the sermon series is empowered. It's about God taking flawed vessels like 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 myself and like those gathered here this morning and empowering us with his Holy Spirit and using us to make a difference in the world. Paul referred to himself, and I believe it's in the King James Version, where it says chief of sinners. And in the New Living Translation of these same words, 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. Christ's death and resurrection has redeemed our dark side and as we grow and mature in our faith, we have less and less 
of a dark side. No one in this place this morning is perfect. And have we allowed the living Christ to transform our dark side? Ananias received in the vision to go to Saul on the street called Straight. I imagine, oh, excuse me. I jumped ahead of myself here. The second point is regardless of what you have done, you are not beyond hope. Regardless of what you have done, you are not beyond hope. That's the good news of the gospel church. We are not without hope and neither was Saul. His grace reaches to the lowest valley no matter where you've been. We see that here evidenced in the life of Saul. Scripture tells us the disciples and even Ananias, again, who received the vision to go to Saul on the street called Straight, were scared to death of him. Um, I imagine if you and I were told to go to someone who was known as a terrorist, not only a terrorist, but the leader of a terrorist network who had come to faith in Christ, that would be a little bit like Ananias and what it was like for him to go and respond to this vision. If you go back and read Acts 9, I love, it says, uh, and the God, Jesus spoke to Ananias in a vision and he said, here I am, Lord. And we can see many examples of that in scripture. And I would hope that if we sense the spirit of God speaking to us as well, that we may respond like Ananias. There's two visions here in Acts 9. There's that of Paul's and there's that of Ananias. And we see obedience in the part of both of them. But this would be, again, like a terrorist coming to faith in Christ. And imagine it would be, we would be extremely cautious about going to this person to share Christ with them and to respond in ways that Saul, I mean, excuse me, that Ananias was asked to. The third reflection is even though your past is soiled, you can find a new beginning with God. People, that's good news. You can begin because of God's grace. Like Saul, you are not chained to your past. God in his grace gives you the ability to leave the past behind and begin a brand new day. First, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I love the, the 2 Corinthians 5. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, Paul also writes in his letter to the church at Ephesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord today. I don't know if any of those in the room, if you've had somewhat of a Damascus Road experience, I would love to hear about that after the service today. Um, some of you may have, but um, uh, I would again, I would like to hear your story. Do you remember your conversion, whether it was dramatic or not? Maybe it was a moment or a season in life when you responded to the good news of God's grace. What did that look like? And go back to that time. And what has changed since then? Are you allowing God to continue to make you new? God is not through with you. He didn't come and, and, and reach out to you and call you into a relationship with himself and then back away. But it's his desire to, for you to grow, for you to mature, and for you not only to grow in your faith, but to serve as well as a part of our growth. And how are you doing that today? And how are you continuing to allow God to make you new? In a crowd this size, there may be some that God may be calling you today to make a U-turn. Again, in a church this size, and we have our numbers ebb and flow each week, but there are people who come in and out of our doors, whether it's Sunday mornings or at other times, that in some ways they relate to the church. 
that God may be reaching out to you and God may be calling you through a series of events and through mostly through his Holy Spirit to make that U-turn today. Maybe some have just simply strayed off course. Maybe you haven't responded to the U-turn sign, but maybe you've just taken the detour and maybe you've kind of began, begun to go a new path. The love and the grace of God called out to Saul and it's calling out to you and to me today. Conversion is all about the work of God in one's life. It's not about coercion, it's not about manipulation, but it's about the spirit of God drawing men and women unto himself. Throughout Acts, we see the Holy Spirit moving as the people prayed and were obedient. Individual, individuals were, were empowered and none greater than that of Paul. Let me ask you today, church, are you open to the work of God in your life? God, maybe, not want, maybe, maybe he's not wanting to do what he did in the life of Paul in your life, but God is calling out to you today. Will you, like Paul and Ananias, respond by saying, here I am, Lord? In a moment, we're going to stand and our closing song will be a hymn that Candy has taught us over these last few months that is very appropriate for our time this morning. It says, will you come and follow me? Think about the words as it's phrased in different ways as we sing this song. And how would God have you to respond to that today? Will you come and follow me? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the life of Saul. We thank you for the conversion that happened, that, that took place in his life for the, trans, the total transformation of a life from persecuting Christians to becoming one of them and not only becoming one of them, but becoming a leader and one who charted the course for the future of the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his boldness. We thank you that you took someone, Lord, who uh, in, in many ways uh, was ordinary, but in, in many ways extraordinary at the same time and that you used him to change the course of history. Father, you may not be wanting us and calling us, our mission is not the mission of Paul, but our mission nevertheless is to bear fruit, is to, it is to, to bear forth, to carry forth the message of the good news found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to. Father, for those that need that dramatic call, that dramatic U-turn today, Father, let today begin the seed let today begin the day, be the day that plants the seed for that transformation to take place. Father, for those of us that have taken a detour and, and just simply gotten off course, we pray today that, Lord, the, the power of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts and guide men and women back to you. Help us to respond, Lord, as we ask ourselves the question in song, will you come and follow me? We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If there are those of you today that would like to talk with me about church membership, I'd be happy to receive you and talk with you about that. If there are those today that would like to come and pray, the altar is open. Let's stand and sing together.
thoughts today. Amen. Let me just remind you, if you are a committee chair or a leader of a uh, small group that might have a budget line item, uh, it is that time once again, and uh, we will have uh, Heidi or someone from the finance committee, maybe Cliff, uh, available after church down front for you to receive a letter uh, to begin to turn in your budget request for, let me say it, 2018. Um, we are glad that you're here today. As I often say, let me challenge you to speak to two people that you haven't spoken to before you leave today. Candy? Please join me in singing the benediction response.